eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look, I apologize. Colin, my papers are all over the place. Um, just out of curiosity, do you have a piece of sound somewhere in there that you could play for like 10 seconds while I get things together? You do have a piece of sound. Okay, whatever you have, Colin, could be anything. It could be a speech from the president in 1938. Just roll it right quick. Give me 10 seconds. I, I don't really understand what you're saying because we would never like i'm like my skin is curling i, I don't even know what you're i don't know what you're saying it's like you're speaking like from Just mars you're speaking japanese like huh well james franklin sounds like he had a good day today tell you what if you had that colin you probably have that entire clip yeah yeah uh, colin nodded the camera yes why don't we talk about that later? Why don't we talk about Mark Stoops and his NIL controversial comments tonight? Why don't we predict week seven? Why don't we do all that? Because Late Kick is live high atop a sun-soaked downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Tuesday, October 10th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Yes, it is Tuesday night. Yes, we are predicting week seven. We are headed to Seattle, Washington later this week for Oregon versus Washington. We'll break that game down. We got Southern Cal headed out onto the road to take on. Notre Dame this week. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. Got a number of games to break down. You know what we're doing tonight that I did not really plan on, but I think it's time we had an emergency session. Mood trackers. I'm updating the mood tracker on, well, a handful of teams tonight, and I couldn't get to all of them. So this may be something that spills over into Thursday. All that plus a brand spanking new JP poll. I will give you a slight spoiler. There is a new number one team. There is a new number two team in the JP poll tonight. They're watching us in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Could that be a clue? I don't know. I didn't plan it that way. They're watching us in Bradley's hometown, Montgomery, Alabama, Virginia Beach, Virginia, El Dorado, Arkansas. I once saw a tornado. This year, actually, I saw a tornado in El Dorado, Arkansas. I have a conundrum on my hands. I'm going to take feedback from you. I don't need it right now, but between now and Friday, I need you to let me know what you want me to do about Friday Night Lions, because here's the deal. Uh, we get to Seattle uh, like 8.30 Pacific time, and I had stats and info run the numbers. That's 11.30 on the East Coast, and you just factor in an hour to get to the hotel. Do we really want to do Friday Night Lines after midnight on the East Coast? I got no problem with it. I don't think you do. So 
in lieu of doing Friday Night Lines really late on Friday night, when should we do it? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you really need to be following on Instagram at Late Kick Josh because all we did is go 9-0 and last week against the spread. Uh, let's open the show tonight by talking about what roughly 47 million of you asked me about today. Colin, here's your end point. The internet is beside its collective self about Mark Stoops. And why are they beside themselves about Mark Stoops? Well, Mark Stoops had a coach's show, The Audacity, and someone called in and he was talking about the Georgia game and it wasn't the best of showings for Kentucky. And so Mark Stoops made a comment, made a comment about NIL. And you don't need to take my word for it. I'm going to do what I would encourage all of you to do, including many of you who have talked about this already and haven't done this. And that is to have Director Colin cue up the actual sound and then don't listen to anyone else. Judge for yourself. You know, the, the other side, if you want to do that, it's plain complain deny or make excuses and we're not going to do that you know it is what it is and uh you know fans have that right i i give it to them it you know i just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing and and uh in uh i could promise you in georgia they, they bought some pretty good players you're allowed to these days and uh we could use some help that's what they look like you know what i mean when you have 85 of them so so uh i encourage uh Anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. Okay, and if you're listening on podcast, Mark Stoops had the posture of a fourth grade bus driver as he made these comments. He didn't exactly lean into it. It didn't exactly sound to me or seem to me like it was premeditated. It is in my best interest to make a big deal out of this. I just can't bring myself to do it. And I know a lot of people did today, and that's okay. Um, I, I don't care about that. I couldn't care less about it. And you may ask yourself, well, if you don't care... Why are you leading the show with it? Well, I got a couple of things I do want to tell you that branch off of this, but really, I just got asked about it a lot today. And I got asked, I, give, I, I do not blame you guys. I get why it caught your ears, but I got asked by a lot of people who I believe thought I was going to go in on Mark Stoops, and there are plenty of folks doing that. So if you're looking for that flavor of content tonight, it's out there to be found. It's just a non-issue to me. I'll tell you what it was. It was a classic issue or classic case of seeing opinions of a thing before you actually saw the thing. This happens a lot. You probably find yourself in this little, this little social media funnel sometimes of seeing a lot of people say something about someone or something or some quote before you've seen the quote. Well, before you know it, you've already got a pretty well-formed opinion on something and you don't even know the context because you haven't even heard it or seen it yet. It happens to me. I have to guard against it. So it started to happen to me last night with this. I saw like four or five people I know, like four or five people whose opinions I trust and value start talking about Mark Stoops and how dare he, how disingenuous is this? Well, why doesn't he pony up the dough before asking fans who barely make ends meet to pony up the dough? And so, hey, I got a little worked up about it because what I thought was Mark Stoops had like called an impromptu press conference and it put eye black on and leaned in and grabbed the mic for himself or maybe had it descend down from the ceiling like a, a boxing match. And he just looked big blue nation in the eye and said, how dare you peasants question me after I lose to Georgia? You want to win? Give me more money. And then I saw it. And it was that. And it was a very, very laid back kind of informal setting or as formal as the 
the Mark Stoops show on Monday night can be. That's what that was from, by the way. Um, real reason I did choose to lead the show with this after telling you I don't really care about the clip itself. I, I, here, I'll get to it in a second. What I wanted to talk to you about is when it does come to NIL and it does come to what it really takes, there is a storm brewing in the NIL world and people who run collectives know it, coaches know it, folks who are running that portion of an athletic department know it, and it looks a little something like this. It takes money in modern college athletics. Well, it takes money in modern college football to build a winning roster. It just does. And if you don't like that, it's probably time for you to hit the off-ramp. You don't have to love it, but you have to, you have to at least digest it and be able to embrace it. So what's about to happen is when you get a few years into the NIL game, when you have to ask your donors for more money, it's okay to ask them for more money. That's not the problem. Asking for it's not the hard part. Even getting the money initially is not the hard part. The hard part is getting that group of folks to understand just because you're giving us more doesn't mean you get more. I was talking to someone in the past week and a half that is in charge of a major collective operation in college football, and they said this exact thing. It was not, we have trouble getting the money on the front end, because NIL is still pretty new. So it's not that they're having trouble. Everyone wants to be part of the effort. Everyone wants to turn their $75,000 a year donation into 92 and change. We're, we're willing to do that. We'll play ball with you. But you better not keep going eight and four. You better not just keep going nine and three. If I'm paid state and I'm leading my collective, Bradley runs our collective just for the record, and Bradley's going out and he's, he's pounding the pavement and he's knocking on doors and all of a sudden, the guy who used to just write 800K per year puts 1.1 mil on that check and I still just put up nine wins per year, he doesn't view that as a return on his increased investment. That's the mind game. That's the trick that folks aren't realizing. You're not doing this in a bubble. You're not just upping your donation to my collective. Everyone around the conference is doing it. We're not asking you to give more so we can pull away. We're asking you to give more so we can keep up. But that's easy to understand in a logic-based world when it's not your money. When it's your money, and more of it, coming out of your wallet, you want more in return. Now, there's some folks out there who are going to contribute to an NIL, and their team is going to scale its results, and all's well that ends well there. That will be the exception. That won't be the rule. There are a lot of places out there where they're going to spend millions of dollars on NIL just to break even. They're going to spend millions on NIL just to just to maintain the current footing that they have. And for one or two or three years, it'll work. It won't work for four or five or six years. That's the immediate concern. Now, here's the response that hmm, even I would have if I were you. Oh, well, it'll eventually work itself out. And if some NIL funds dry up, they dry up. But it's all basically a market mechanism. And you are right about that. When those market mechanisms start swallowing your program, are you going to be as free and easy about that is all I'm asking. Um, also, just to go back to the Stoops thing, because I got a loaded show. I don't have much more time to spend on this other than the 10 minutes and change we've already spent. His whole point was tongue in cheek. Mark Stoops' whole point there was tongue in cheek. Yes, he did say, if you want more results, give me more money. But that's like living in the 70s or the 80s and saying, man, I want to look like Arnold. I, I, look at Schwarzenegger over here. I want to look like that. And then your dad says, okay, you want to look like Arnold? You can just train four hours a day, 
and pound 6,000 calories, none of it being the stuff you like to eat, and do that for five or six years, and maybe you'll start to look like Arnold. He's not literally expecting you to do that. He's almost saying it mockingly, knowing you're not going to do that. Mark Stoops does not expect to ever rival Georgia at Kentucky. Now, he's not going to come out and say that. But Mark Stoops has got one of the best jobs in America because historically, up until about five minutes ago, folks understood he's going to get paid at a top 10 level, but it's also Kentucky. So let's calibrate our expectation level accordingly. And I'm not, I'm not mocking most of Kentucky nation because I, I think most of those folks get it. There may be, you know, fringes, but every fan base has fringes. But what he was saying to the fringe is, hey, you guys want to knock me for losing to Georgia? Give like Georgia gives. We'll build like Georgia builds. Well, no, you won't. You never will. You're Kentucky football. Uh, Georgia's basketball coach any given decade could say the same thing if they're complaining that Georgia doesn't perennially beat Kentucky on the hardwood. That's the way it works. It's the way it always works. And NIL is really not going to change much because everyone's doing NIL. So Kentucky's not going to get an edge relative to the rest of the big boys by NIL. Mark Stoops knows that. Mark Stoops is as comfortable in his skin as any head coach in this conference, and that includes the Smarts and the Sabins of the world. He's fine. It's fine. We're all fine. Much to do about nothing. Or much to do about nothing. <sighs> Such an atypical intro for the show tonight, especially on Tuesday. Uh, and you know what? I don't normally do what I'm about to do on Tuesdays either, but I think it is warranted. I appreciate you guys watching live if you're tuned in. During what the casuals would call the off-season, a lot of times we do what we call the mood tracker. And that's where we figuratively, of course, we take the thermometer and we just insert it into an entire fan base and we kind of try and gauge the temperature. And we, we, like we said a second ago, we cut the fringes off. We want to know what that core, that middle 70 or 60% of the fan base that would represent your average fan, what are they thinking about their program? What are they thinking about their coach? Do they like where they're headed? We don't normally update it during the season. But there are some pretty extreme situations, I would say, out there right now that I just think warrant this. And I know a lot of you are diehard college football fans, and you just care about what goes on between the lines during the 60 on Saturday. But I know good and well a lot of you don't listen to this show alone. Some of you have wives. Some of you have girlfriends, significant others, whatever the case may be. Maybe your mom's been in the room a time or two. And they don't exactly possess the ability to name the offensive coordinator at UTSA. They're not that deep in the college football weeds, but they love a good story. And if you're trying to bring more people to the sport, they love a good story. Guarantee they know the head coach at Colorado, don't they? They love a good story. And so I find that the Mood Tracker series appeals to all crowds when it comes to what we do on this show. I'll, I'll give you an example here. The Texas A&M Mood Tracker, uh, we are going to categorize that as what we like to call Jimbo Limbo around here. Now, Jesse wanted it to be called Limbo with Jimbo. Normally, I just dismiss his ideas wholesale because they're not that funny. But Jesse did hit one here today. Naturally, I rearranged the phrasing so I could trademark it. It's mine now. Uh, Jimbo Limbo is mine. That is also the mood around Texas A&M football. And basically, if, I, if I'm an Aggie fan out in Katy, Texas, I'm looking and I'm simply asking, what more can I do? Because I don't control what Jimbo Fisher does. I don't control what Bobby Petrino does. I don't control Ross Bjork, but I can control my investment, my passion, my willingness to have patience, but boom, 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 I've done all three of those things. What more can I do? Because if I can't do any more, the only thing left to do is complain. 
The only thing left to do is hope for change there. And if I am a rational Aggie fan, I don't want to hit the dump button on my head coach. I like Jimbo Fisher. I, I respect, however it had to go down, that he made the move to bring Petrino in. I've seen signs of life with this program. I know good and well we've recruited at a very high level, had the number one class in the country a couple of years ago. They'll be juniors next year. Connor Wigman's a very good quarterback. He'll be back. Our schedule lightens up next year. I am not doom and gloom here. I want to see the glass half full. But man, after a little while, you got to give me something. I've given you everything. You got to give me something. That would be my mood if I were a Texas A&M fan right now. I know how big the buyout is. And I know that there are some very deep pockets it takes to write a $76 million check this year. Luckily, it drops to 67 if we wait until 2024. Here's what else I know is about to happen. I just watched OU Texas play a classic up the road from me in Dallas. They're both going to be in the SEC next year. It's not going to get any easier. Jimbo Fisher's not one or two years into his deal here. In other words, I shouldn't be looking at this team six years into his tenure and saying, well, we, we just got to wait. We just got to wait for him to get his guys. We got to wait for him to be able to do it his way. This is his way. We're seeing Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher's thumbprint on it. And I, look, I want to give benefit of the doubt. I just need more, man. I need, there's nothing we don't have here. We were talking about Kentucky earlier. Hey, there, there are concrete things I can point to resource-wise where I say, those guys have those things and we don't have them here, at least in that supply. At AM, I got everything they've got. I just got a much more barren trophy case. They've got trophies in their trophy case. I got tumbleweeds blowing around in mine and I want it to change. And I think as a fan, I've done everything I have to do or know to do and been asked to do. When are you going to do something for me? That's the mood right there. That's the limbo a Texas A&M fan finds he, his, or herself in. Next up, this paper sounds very, very flimsy because we were back and forth on what this one should be. The Ohio State mood tracker, the current mood of your average Ohio State fan is, I think they're still learning the ways of the sledgehammer. For a while, under Ryan Day, I have had some things I can take to the bank. We're going to have a pretty prolific offense here. We're going to have a high-level quarterback. He's going to be talked about in the Heisman race, first-round draft pick, etc. But I've lost to Michigan two years in a row, and that's not great. But it's very easy to sit around and say, we can't lose to Michigan for a third year in a row. Well, of course you can't, but that's abstract. Get specific. How are you going to do that? And then pretend you're Ryan Day and his staff in January, after your season ends, you guys sit around in that war room. How are you going to make sure it doesn't happen? Well, the answer is you can't be the second most physical team on the field anymore because you have been the last couple of years. I know he went off on Lou Holtz. Hey, I'm saying it much more respectfully than Holtz did because also I'm not speaking in the present tense. I think they pushed the right buttons. At least I think I did. I think they did. I think they made some of the right moves. But if you're an Ohio State fan, your mood when you've watched this team struggle to pull away from inferior competition early in games could leave you a little hesitant. And the reality is, I think some of the things they had to change about the program in order to build the kind of culture and build the kind of edge they need to down the road beat Michigan in Ann Arbor may require not looking like the prettiest version of Buckeye football in history offensively. You got to know what you're asking for. If I asked you the question, in other words, if I spoke at the, the Columbus, Ohio quarterback club 
in January, which I assume exists because it does in the South in every town. And I were to say, straw poll, do you guys want the, the brand of team that's able to beat Michigan and go toe-to-toe with a Georgia, for example, if you see them again? I get 100% yes. Well, maybe not 100%. There's always 1% who says the sky's purple, but 99% would say yes. Okay, do you know what that looks like? It may look bumpy. It may look like, you know, hanging 23 on Indiana in week one because I may not be throwing the ball all over the yard. It may be that we're really even with some inferior teams before we eventually pull away and win 37 to 17. But what if the ultimate payoff down the road is defense giving your offense time to get itself in gear and then you got a very complimentary and prolific talent roster down the road that can win games in a multitude of different ways? What if that's the payoff? They're not selling on this team. Team's undefeated. Team's got Penn State coming in there next week. No, no one's selling on the team. But, you know, listen, when you've had a super soaker in your hands and all of a sudden you exchange it for a sledgehammer, you kind of look at that sledgehammer for a second. You got to get used to that thing. And then down the road, you look like Triple H holding that sledgehammer, the cerebral assassin, as Jim Ross would call him. Maybe that's what you turn into. You don't become that overnight. You, you got to get a little taste for it. I think they have immunity. You got to get a little taste for it. And I think that some fans are still struggling with that. You get used to a certain way of winning. Florida was like that. Florida learned a way of winning when Steve Spurrier was down there and Urban Meyer reinforced that. And then other guys wanted to try and win different ways. And by the way, it didn't help. They weren't very good at it. But even if they were good at it, even if Will Muschamp flourished at Florida, it was going to take a while. For those folks to understand, we're about to ball control and defense our way to a title down here. That was going to take a little while, and it may take a little while in Columbus. That's okay, though. I think they'll get there. Um, <clears throat> what shall I say about this program? It's very tricky. What's the mood at Clemson right now? I categorize the mood of the fan base as uncertain behind the curtain. Clemson folks are very interesting people. I say this because I am friends with several of them. I'm related to a couple of them. So I get an insight sometimes. They let me behind the curtain. And I say uncertain behind the curtain because Clemson fans talk different amongst each other than they do when they're in a typical office setting or, you know, a food court protocol, if you will. When you're in the food court, at least at Peachtree Mall in Columbus, Georgia, when you're in the food court, you got a different face on than you do when you're with Uncle Steve and Aunt Lois and your cousin Cheryl at home later that night. A lot of cousins and aunts and uncles rolling around. Uh, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You're different around your close personal friends and family than you are when you're at church on Sunday. Although you shouldn't be, you probably are. And so, I think behind the curtain, I think when Clemson fans are amongst themselves, they're willing to verbalize some discomfort. They're willing to verbalize some uneasiness about the direction of the program. Not catastrophic by any stretch. JP poll later tonight, Clemson is still a top 20 team, but they used to be a top five team. And so whether it's transfer portal, whether it's uh, the effectiveness of the offense, whether it, it, it could be a number of things. I think that there is some, what I would categorize as mild to moderate concern that they're willing to verbalize. Here's the thing Clemson fans know though. There is a portion of the college football media, there's a portion of the college football public at large that just hates Dabo Swinney. And so they'll never verbalize it publicly where the rest of those folks can hear it. 
because they do not want to sound like them. They're too busy defending Dabo Swinney and Clemson University against the bad actors out there. And I'm not really kidding about this. Like, I think they're on to something. I think that does exist. They've labeled me as that before. I'm not that. I'm honest about the program. Sometimes it gets miscategorized as being a hater of Clemson. I'm not that at all. I may not know how to pronounce the name of the school properly, but I know Clemson. And I got no problem with Clemson. And I, I will even be happy to defend Clemson when it warrants defending Clemson. And in this particular case, I think you guys are right. That's why you won't let the public hear what you guys talk about behind the scenes, uh, because you're, you're too, you will not give them the satisfaction. You, you shouldn't. Like, I agree with you on that approach. But I think there are some mild concerns there. Um, I, I thought it was very admirable that they got off the deck and went and beat Syracuse like they did. I didn't think that was easy to do. And so let's just see where they go the rest of the way. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. One more I want to do here. We got many predictions to do on the show tonight. I got a new JP poll. I got three added best bets. It's a completely jam-packed show tonight. What is the mood around Florida football? The Florida Gator fans, what's the mood down there right now? You know what I came up with? This is a paper popper. I think the mood amongst Florida fans is what I would call competitively introverted. I know a little something about being introverted. You may think that I would love crowds and I detest them. I'm just able to, I'm able to suck it up while I'm on air, but I'm naturally a pretty shy person. Um, that just means I don't like to leave the house much, and that is Florida. Like, leaving the house is a death sentence for Florida football right now. They're one in seven on the road under Billy Napier. That is introverted. That is not ever wanting to go out. If we can stay home, if we can stay at the swamp, we're fine. Look at what we did against Tennessee, but man, we go on the road. Listen to this. Listen to this quote from Billy Napier. Quote, they're playing South Carolina this week. Quote from Billy Napier, we're going to try to get to Columbia a little earlier this week. We're tweaking our schedule on Thursday. We're going to put huge emphasis on sleep. What a novel concept. They're going to sleep Wednesday night. And just little things. I think we're going to arrive to the stadium a little bit earlier. That is Billy Napier on playing South Carolina in October. No small task for even the most battle-hardened of road warrior teams and here goes Florida. It is wobbly as a ramen noodle that's been cooked on the road. And they got to play South Carolina in October in Williams-Brice Stadium. Keep your eye on that one, kids. Um, look, I'd have no confidence about my team on the road if I were a Florida fan. And why should you? Now, at the same time, I know um, if you feel like I do, you think that if we can get it enough runway, 
the Billy Napier era at Florida will pay off. I think a lot of you guys feel that way. Some of you don't. Some of you are doubters, but a lot of you guys feel that way. I just don't know how long the runway's got to be. And we cannot have we cannot have Jekyll and Hyde Florida football. We can't have fine at home, but who in the world knows what we are on the road? We can't do that. You should, there is no way, by the way, a little side note, there is no way that getting to town one day earlier or changing your sleep patterns or inserting pot roast for cubed steak Friday for the team meal is ultimately going to be the answer here. There is something Monday through Thursday that's the issue with Florida going on the road and not performing well a whole lot more than there is quality controlling your way through the issue. And I'm all about quality control, and I know they're trying all that other stuff too. But I pull for you guys. I mean, not in this particular game. That would be unethical of me. But in general, I pull for Billy Napier and his staff to get it together. But in the meantime, competitively introverted, I, I think is a very kind way to describe how your typical Florida fan in Ocala feels about their football program right now. There is no two things they know are true. Number one, there is no way that I should be worried about going to Columbia, South Carolina and winning a football game. And number two, I am petrified of going to Columbia, South Carolina to play a football game this weekend. That's what October will do to a man. Fortunately, the things you can control, like what you sit on or what you camp out under or what you grill on, I got all that taken care of because Academy Sports and Outdoors has all that taken care of. They are our exclusive partner here, and we always appreciate that. goes without saying. The reason that I don't have to humbly and sheepishly ask you to pay me money like Mark Stoops asked you to do is because you don't have to. The show's free. It's free, courtesy of Academy Sports and Outdoors. So I know a lot of you see outside that the days are getting shorter, which is terrible. That means sunsets at 4 o'clock are imminent in Nashville. And you know that the weather is getting cooler. Uh, that happens every year. And so you know you're going to need to buy things this time of year. Just do it at Academy Sports and Outdoors. They have a shocking amount of inventory. It's not just sporting goods equipment and that's it. It's a lot of other things you would never expect to find at a sporting goods store, which is why I don't really call it a sporting goods store. If you can't get there in person, that's okay. You've got internet access because you're able to watch this show right now. Academy.com. Boom. Just go check it out. Go check it out. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. I cannot back that legally. That is not a guarantee I can back legally, but just one friend to another. Wink, nod. I guarantee you'll like it. Now it's time to predict some games. Whew. Let's take a sip from the chalice. I say, whew, as like an exhale, because there's a world where I get a little carried away with the stoop segment. And I get a little long-winded on the transfer, not the transfer portal, the uh, mood tracker stuff. And I look up and it's already an hour into the show before we predicted games. So I'm very pleased that we got that done in under 30 minutes. All right, now, down to business. Oregon versus Washington may be the first of two rounds of this game this year. We'll see. We know we got it Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time. It's important to note that's a 12:30 local kick there in Seattle. We will be there on the sidelines for this game. Rain gear packed just in case. I don't own anything purple. I'm working on it for Saturday. We'll see. The wardrobe is not exactly extensive. You, you probably are not shocked to hear that. Uh, is this the premier game in the Pac-12 this year? 
because we got a gauntlet of a schedule stretch coming up here with these teams and Southern Cal and Utah and UCLA and Oregon State. It's too soon to tell if this is the premier game, but this is a top 10 AP matchup. It's a top 10 JP poll matchup, and a ton will be made about Michael Penix versus Bo Nix. Now, unless there is a new package that's put in, Immunity, I got it on pretty good word that those two will never be on the field at the same time today, uh, uh, this Saturday. But it will be billed as Penix versus Knicks. I think there's so much more going on in this game. Last year, do you remember this thing last year? There was some controversy. Dan Lanning went for it in his own territory, didn't make it. I, I actually thought it was not the most egregious decision in the world. Uh, Washington ends up winning the game. I've got a default position I'm going to take on this matchup. So, this may or may not pan out, but I'm confident in it. I am confident Oregon will score at least 38 in this game Saturday. I'm putting that out there, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's the default position that the rest of this prediction will work off of. So, if I think Oregon's going to score 38, then what else do I need from Washington? Because Oregon is top 10 in, in passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, very balanced offense. They ran for 312 in this game last year. Washington, 93rd in the country in pass defense, 46th in run defense. Yards and points will be there for Oregon. You're not shutting them down. So that doesn't mean, you're, that doesn't mean Oregon's going to win the game. It just means I think that you've you got to put together one of those Washington big-time offense-type afternoons to match and exceed that. So here's what I think Washington needs. Michael Penix needs a career day. Fully capable of it, but it's by far the best defense he will have played this year. They've got to flip the pressure numbers. That's the first thing they have to do. Oregon is top 15 in sacks. Washington, 127. Jesse, is that number right? I know we talked about this a few hours ago. 127th in pressure numbers. <sighs> what does it mean? I, like I know we talk about this stuff, and I tell you, Numbers are great at predicting the past. We're worried about what will happen. So one of those stats in a bubble doesn't mean much to me, but they need to run enough, I think, to offset pressure. They're 104th in, in rush yards per game right now. It doesn't mean they have to be balanced. We've never on this show believed that balance is like one number being equal to another number. That's not what balance is. Balance is... Oregon's defensive staff believing you're capable of running the ball and willing to run the ball. If you can do that, that's good enough for balance for me Saturday. Washington strength versus Oregon strength is what is so fascinating here. Number five pass defense in the country. That's what Oregon's bringing to Washington Saturday. Now, have they been tested with an offense the likes of which Washington will put on the field? Have they seen that kind of perimeter skill? No, they haven't. They've been on the road against Texas Tech, got taken right down to the wire. And now they go into, all due respect to our folks in Lubbock, uh, an atmosphere even more hostile than that. I got confidence in Bo Nix, okay? I'll pop the pin on that one. I got confidence in Bo Nix. The top flew off. Um, here's the problem. I got a potential padlock stat here. My guy has not been great on the road. He's 0-6, including two touchdowns and nine interceptions versus top 10 teams on the road. Some of that wasn't his fault because some of that was at Auburn. But that's okay because I think this is the most equipped and it is the best position that he will have had himself put in to maybe flip that stat profile on the road. Washington, 
does not make it easy on you at home. 10 and 0 at home since the start of 2022. They are averaging 46 per game at home. The opponent just over 20 per game. The model has a strong opinion on this, and I've got a strong opinion on it. So let's take a look at what the model thinks and Colin, let's take a look at what Vegas thinks. The current number is Washington minus two and a half. Uh, the model says, uh-uh, there's not a favorite in this game. It's straight up pick them. Straight up pick them. I am a believer that both of these offenses are prolific. I am a believer in the crowbar and the bicycle spokes theory, which was made famous on this show, and you've probably only heard on this show. And that is when you don't have the ability to have a secondary pitch, when you're just fastball, 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 if that thing's running 101 with movement, you don't need a secondary pitch. And likewise, if you got Michael Penix just threading the needle, throwing darts, that can carve up any pass defense in America. But if it's just the slightest bit off, if that front is able to disrupt timing and rhythm just the slightest bit, it doesn't slow down. Sometimes it is the crowbar and the bicycle spokes. When you insert a crowbar effectively into bicycle spokes, the bike stops. You fly over the handlebars, you look like Bobby Petrino circa 2009 or something like that. You, you look, your face looks like street pizza. Will that happen Saturday? I have no clue. There's a world where Washington's got 10 points at the start of the fourth quarter. There's a world where they got 41 at the start of the fourth quarter. I just think Oregon's going to have some success defensively Saturday. I don't know if I'm as confident that Washington will. So I'm taking Washington long-term to be a player in the Pac-12 championship scene to the wire. But Saturday, I actually think Bo Nix is flipping that road script. I actually think they're going to go in there and find a way to win it and find a way to cover. It's not a high-confidence game for me. Not betting anything on it. But I am actually going to take the road team here. Thought I was going to go with Washington. The more I started looking into those stat profiles, the more my opinion flipped. And so I'm going to go with Washington. Here's what I do know. Regardless of outcome, uh, both of those teams are still alive in the Pac-12 championship race. We're just taking the two top teams out there. It's not a division thing. And also, I know we got a really hot shirt to commemorate our trip to Seattle, the Once Upon a Saturday Tour. This is the furthest away from home we've ever been. We've been to L.A. a couple times. We've been up to Eugene, but we've never been to Seattle. We've never been to Husky Stadium. I have gotten dozens and dozens of people in my inbox, in my DMs, telling me what I should see, where I should go, what I should expect. Keep it coming. It's fine with me. I love it. Um, but the Once Upon a Saturday Tour heading to Seattle for Oregon, Washington. That shirt will be available at PateStateMaterial.com for one week only, and then it's gone. We are, we are off the heels of our best-selling shirt of all time with OU versus Texas last week. So we'll see what we can do with that one. Next up, <clears throat> loaded week. We can't even get all the games in tonight. I got one that I'm going to save for Thursday. But this one, I, I felt fit very nice in the show right here. I think it's a little off the national radar. Texas A&M plays Tennessee Saturday. It's the 3.30 Eastern CBS game of the week. I want to talk to you about external dynamics for a second. So last week, I picked Louisville to beat Notre Dame, mainly because of external dynamics, scheduling and whatnot. So get this, Texas A&M plays Bama down to the wire. It's a war. They lose it. They're totally drained physically and emotionally. Tennessee does nothing last week. In fact, they sit at home with their feet propped up and they watch the game. 
And then A&M has to pack up and go to their backyard. Now, these teams could play on a neutral field with equal rest, and I could expect something totally different than I do expect this Saturday because of those external dynamics. That's life, man. You got to deal with it. That's college football. A&M is O of their last seven on the road, though. And Tennessee's won 12 straight at home. So that's the backdrop. Before we ever talk about a player or we ever talk about a matchup, that's the backdrop. There is a really good matchup in this game, though. It just may not be the one that you think. Tennessee is second in America in rush yards per game. A&M is sixth in the country defensively in that stat category. I know that people who haven't watched Tennessee play a lot this year are thinking to themselves, ooh, how's A&M's defense going to hold up? And you're right to think that, but you're probably thinking about pass defense. Mm-mm. Matchup of the game? is run defense versus that running game. I heard Heupel get asked about it last week. <laughs> he got asked, why do people think you're a prolific passing attack this year? And he, he basically, he was, ni- he was too nice to say what I'm about to say. Some of y'all just hadn't watched the game and you run your mouth too much. Like you have not watched them play and you just run your mouth. That's not what they're doing this year. They're not a pass first team. They're a run first team. They're very good at running the ball. Two ways though, as a result of that, that A&M could actually tilt this game in their favor. One of them is obvious, and that's force Joe Milton into obvious passing downs and then hopefully victimize him. It's not a guarantee. Milton can throw the ball deep on you just like Milrow did last week if you give him time. I learned my lesson there. You give him time, he could beat you down the field. And so those plays will be there. Tennessee will take some shots, but let's just say it doesn't pay off for him. It did pay off for Bama last week enough. Let's say it doesn't pay off. Well, the other thing is Tennessee loves to work at pace. They love at tempo. And they love to grind you on the ground and then move the sticks and then move the sticks again and again and again. But there's a world where if you are stout enough against the run and you set up a third and seven and they don't convert it and you just do that a couple of times, you get them off the field, then you go on some longer drives yourself. You really tilt time of possession which in and of itself is not a stat we care about all that much. I do care about how many plays you run. I care about how long your offense is on the field and how long theirs has to sit on the bench. I care about how gassed you can get their defense. That's what I care about. It is the kind of thing, if you're not careful, if you're Tennessee, that A&M can really tilt in, in the critical factors of the game this Saturday in their favor. Both teams are top three in sacks this year defensively. They have gotten after the quarterback A&M is bad on early downs this year. Tennessee hadn't been particularly great on third or fourth down offensively. There is a recipe here, and it is a recipe for a low-scoring game. So let's take a look at what the model thinks. I'll tell you what I think. Uh, Vegas right now is Tennessee minus three and a half. I know what a lot of you think about that. A lot of you are thinking, wait a second. Hold on. You just told me Tennessee's rested. They've won a dozen straight at home. I just saw A&M get beat by Bama. They've got to be gutted. Last time I saw them on the road, they played Miami. Miami hung nearly half a hundred on them. Tennessee's got to be a lock here, right? Tennessee minus three and a half? Really? That's a gift. I don't think that. I don't think it, but I will tell you this. I do think Tennessee's going to win and cover, but I don't feel as confident in it as I think most of America does. This will be a, a, a massive exposure game, I think, for Vegas. I think they'll take a ton of Tennessee action here. I, look, I was, I'm like 53%, 47% on it. I'm confident in the under. I'll go ahead and give you a little, little preview now. That's one of the best bets this week. We are taking the under 
at 56. There are some 56s out there right now as of showtime. Under 56, one of my favorite plays of the week. And that'll be on the Ramen Noodle Express a little bit later in the show. I just, just wanted to slip it into the individual game preview. <sighs> you know, sometimes we get in a really good flow on the show and, and we just go game after game after game. But that's not always the way it works, is it, Colin? Sometimes Director Colin pops in my ear and says, hey, you know what we should do? We should break the prediction monotony a little bit here. So we're going to do that. I know if you live in Pennsylvania, maybe you've already heard what I'm about to play. But most of you, uh, just the, the census tells me, most of you don't live in Pennsylvania. And some of you that used to got out. And you live down here now, like producer Jesse. So let me, let me, let me re-rack the pool balls here for a second. James Franklin today got hit with an Xbox coordinator special. We talk about the Xbox coordinator on the show sometimes, and that is whether it be your buddy or someone in a chat room, someone on a message board. Do people use chat rooms? I don't think they do. People on message boards, uh, people on call-in shows, they, they think it's just as easy as what you do on Xbox. And that's the way football games are won. And of course it's not. Our buddy James Franklin up there, head coach at Penn State, he was blindsided today by an Xbox coordinator special, and I am going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to play the whole thing in its entirety. It's a little over a minute, between a minute and two minutes long. It just goes downhill quickly, and if you're listening on a podcast, you can feel the energy. It's palpable coming through your speakers. Roll it, Colin. Is there a balance, though, between, hey, we need you to throw the ball deep no matter Just take a shot. Don't, don't overthink it. Take a shot. We need to see it. We're going to call it. And we need you to get some confidence in doing this as opposed to even giving a young quarterback the chance to say, hey, just check it down if, if, if it's not there. I, I don't really understand what you're saying because we would never. Like, I'm like, my skin is curling when you say just drop back and chuck it deep no matter what. Like, like that is like... I don't even know what you're. I don't know what you're saying. It's like you're speaking like from just Mars. Just send a guy in a post pattern. Take the shot. Throw it. No matter receiver, what. Give your receiver a chance to make a play on a ball, uh, even if he might be covered thirty yards down the field. Maybe you think he'll be open forty-five yards down the field, and and like Godwin did, or with Jahan or KJ. We you, we've, you, we like like I still don't like you're speaking Japanese like. Like, we have never done that. Just throw the ball up, and maybe he'll be open, and maybe he'll catch. Like, my skin is like, like, my, I'm, my, like you're making me uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So, okay. yeah, we, we, we would not do that. We would never do that. We've never thought about doing that as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator, as a receivers coach. I coached the receivers. I didn't want them to do that. Um, so no, no, strong, no. Oh, I don't know if you get secondhand embarrassment, but I get enough for all of us. That was Corey Geiger. He's covered Penn State longer than I've been alive. I got no problem with Corey Geiger. I, and I don't want to send a bunch of people his way or anything like that. Um, I got a little chuckle out of that earlier today. I, I know Franklin meant what he said at the end. Like he said, oh, I hope this doesn't get out there. I hope this doesn't start circulating. Cause that's the kind of, that is like his playoffs moment. That, that is his, you play to win the game moment. 
that right there is going to be played a decade or two from now. James Franklin may not be at Penn State a decade or two from now. He may have been retired living on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean, but you are going to hear James Franklin say, you're speaking Japanese to me right now. You're making my skin crawl. You are going to hear out of context James Franklin saying, you're making me uncomfortable for a long time. And I can't help but feel partially responsible. But uh, all, all's well, okay? James Franklin, good friend of the program. Do you understand how much bigger jerks coaches could be than they are? Let, let, me, let me paint you a picture. You're the head coach at Penn State. You've been there a long time. You're undefeated. You got the most raw talent you've had at quarterback in a long time. You probably got the best team overall you've had in a long time. You are, even though you got UMass this week, I'm going to say this because they can't, you are knee deep in Ohio State prep. I mean, you're, you're coming out of meetings where you're wondering, hmm, how will this particular motion work against that defensive personnel grouping? Uh, coach, press conference time. All right, guys, I'll be right back. And you go in your press conference, and some guy just asked you, you ever just think about throwing it deep, Coach? And, and by the way, by the way, when you push back on it, he continues, and he says, yeah, well, just run a little post, and maybe it's not open at 30, but maybe it's open 45 yards down the field. So just, just have Drew... Tell the guys, I'm not checking it down. Just If it's not open, just keep running. Just keep running. It works in eight on eight. Day after Thanksgiving, this works in the backyard. Certainly works on Xbox. Just just go route. Just go, guys. Keep, keep running. No, further, further. And then, and then you have the quarterback throw it. You ever think about that, coach? Have you, have you considered that? <clears throat> As I have always said, if you will make me a billionaire, two things I'll do. Number one, I will buy all the bowl games so we can name them whatever we want. Uh, number two, I will make sure the championship game is played on Monday or Saturday, not Monday. And number three, I will pay coaches enough to where they're willing to come on shows and go face-to-face -face publicly with fans who question them. Now, this wasn't a fan, and I'm, I'm speaking a little tongue-in-cheek here, but I would love for you to actually see interactions where you publicly question play calling, personnel decisions, etc., with real coordinators and real coaches. I don't care if it's college. I don't care if it's NIL or, uh, or NIL. What in the world am I talking about? I don't care if it's college or pro. I just want to see it. I want to see it because here's what I have been privy to. I have taken some comments that are made in our comment section on, on videos on our channel and if I've been in the presence of coordinators or position coaches or head coaches, in a couple of cases I've done this with head coaches, I've just shown them. And I've said, all right, you're off the record. We're not rolling right now. What would your actual response be to this? If I could go on the record with those replies, we would have the number one hit show on any streaming platform. And I don't even care if you don't like football. You would watch this. You would absolutely watch this. Um, coaches are so nice. Like Franklin, even there, he was so nice in, in, in comparison to what he could have done. Let me explain something. And I'm not pretending to be an expert here on, on the intricacies of the Penn State offense, but just in general in football, not all teams need to be all things at all times. Penn State suffocates you defensively. Penn State can probably run the ball still even better than they have. In fact, I'm sure they could run the ball better than they have. Penn State does not need to be throwing the ball deep right now. And I know 
that if you watch them right now, you would like to possess that in your arsenal. But football is not a thing where we've done it in practice and it's not working. Let's just go try it in games. Let's just see if it works there. It's kind of like if you got a guy who's got the drops, he's got an issue with catching the football, and he does it in practice, like he, he fumbles the ball, drops the ball in practice, you don't gather as a staff and say, you know, let's play him in the game on Saturday. Maybe he'll figure out how to catch it there. It, it's, the, it's the reverse. It's the opposite, actually. You make sure you figure it out till you can't get it wrong in practice, then I'll put you in the game. I've got a wild theory that maybe the downfield passing game isn't where they want it to be in practice, and that's why you don't see it on Saturday. Or, or maybe it is, and they haven't felt the need to do it in a game because the situation hasn't warranted it. One of the two is, is probably likely, but I will tell you what I don't think is going to happen. And I think we got James Franklin backing us up on the record. I don't think that at any point there will be a huddle broken where Drew Aller is told, throw it deep no matter what. I'm gathering that that is not in the cards up there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They're watching us in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia, Burleson, Texas is tuned in. Thank you guys so much. All right, we get right back down to brass tacks, as Meemaw would say. USC Notre Dame is this week. Do you realize that? I know a little bit of the steam has been taken out of this game because Notre Dame lost to Louisville, but that was no shock on this program. We told you that was going to happen. Now, some of you may take that to mean Notre Dame's been left for dead, and you certainly may take that to mean well, we've left Notre Dame for dead. Actually, neither of those things are true. Neither are true. Watch where we go with this prediction as evidence. I got a little field position alert for you, courtesy of our um, acquaintance and most of the time friend, Parker, over at, at Stats of War on Twitter. Notre Dame is 118th in the country in starting field position. I believe that's offense and defense combined. USC's 19th. So I would advise flipping that stat if you're the Irish Saturday night. Notre Dame's offense has not been good, okay? It's been the talk of large portions of college football and especially the South Bend, Notre Dame, you know, Irish corner of our sport. They're talking about Tommy Reese gone. We elevated Parker, not the one I just referenced, the actual coordinator there. And it hasn't exactly panned out. Well, I do want to remind you of something, not to make excuses for them, but they've played Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville their last three games, not in that order. Uh, that is the number three, number four, 
and number 22 defense in the country in terms of points per game. It's a good time for USC to roll into town because they're 79th in the country. I think Notre Dame will score more in the first half Saturday night than they have at any point maybe the last three weeks. I'm saying that right now. That's a little prop bet, a little side bet. Even with that struggle, you know Notre Dame is fifth in plays of 20-plus yards. Now, there is that small little caveat. They've played one more game than most teams. And I, I've, I've thought about not even including that, but that would be unethical and amoral, and we are not that on this show, certainly. USC's defense is 130th in the country in explosive plays given up through the air. So what happens Saturday night? Like, do we see a Notre Dame offensive explosion? It sure would be, it sure would be the medicine the doctor ordered for this team because I, I have watched all of these games as of late and it's tough. I think they're capable of more than that. You brought in Sam Hartman. He's capable of more than that. But here's the issue. USC's already got Caleb Williams. Already know what he can do. Him versus that pass defense, that's the matchup of this game to me. Notre Dame is third in FBS and pass yards per game allowed. And Caleb Williams and that USC offense are third the other way. So you got the third best passing offense against the third best passing defense. Let's do it. South Bend, you got home field in your favor if you're Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is a top 10 pressure rate defense as well, so they can get after the quarterback. But getting after Caleb Williams is only part of the equation. If he was a statue, yeah, I'd feel really good. Uh, Caleb Williams last week ran for three touchdowns. In this game last year, he ran for three touchdowns. So I think not just quarterback run, but both run games in general look like they'll have a fair amount of success Saturday night. Colin, let's see what the model thinks. Let's see what Vegas thinks. By the way, it's another potential odds-making clinic setting up because you got undefeated top 10 USC here. You got the defending Heisman winner. They're going on the road to face two-loss Notre Dame. Just lost at Louisville. They scored a garbage-time touchdown to even get back to within two possessions. Uh, Notre Dame's favored. They're favored by two and a half. The model thinks it's not big enough. Model thinks Notre Dame minus six. Love the Irish this week. Love them to get right up off the deck. I think they'll win the game. I think they'll cover. I think there are some terminal issues for USC in their defense right now. Uh, the, the model's just not high on USC at the moment. I'm a little bit higher on Southern Cal than the model is, but we both have our fair share of concern. So I actually think Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame are going to get a really, really good win this Saturday. The remaining Power 5 unbeaten teams USC is one of a handful. You got Oregon, Washington still out there undefeated, Georgia, Michigan, etc. So it is a certainty someone's fallen off that list this week. Uh, I think it may very well be Southern Cal. And since we're just talking about what the model thinks, why don't we pop our knuckles? Got one of them to pop. Why don't we pop our knuckles and let's just go ahead and dive in. Uh, here's the usual weekly caveat. Colin, I think it's about that time. We do it every three weeks. Let's include what I'm about to say in the video. It's time to do the JP poll. Don't really care about the AP. Don't look at the AP. Don't care about ranking teams. Don't really care about bumping you up if you win or bumping you down if you lose. I don't care about what has happened. I just care about what would be today on a neutral field and not necessarily the outcome. The only thing the JP poll cares about is who would be favored. And you may say, well, what does a point spread have to do with anything? Who cares who would be favored? If you don't care, JP poll's not for you. I have chosen 
this very specific thing that I'm interested in, and a lot of you will probably have some interest in it, doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I mean, Texas was a favorite this past week. Did it matter at the end of the day? No. Do favorites win most of the time? Yes, they do. So it means something. It doesn't mean everything. So we do it. Uh, we, get, we get the model here to spit out a top 25 every week. All this is, is who would be favored against who based on this model on a neutral field tomorrow. There will be controversy. Let's dive in. 25 through 21. And I do want to let you know, West Virginia is in the top 30. They did not quite make the cut. Also, Duke is like number 26. So Duke almost got in the top 25 this week. So anyone asking where they are, that's where. Maryland was not rated last week. Maryland, top 25. Hello. Got Utah 24, Wisconsin 23. Miami only dropped one point. They dropped four spots, only dropped one point. I would explain that to you, but it would take a long time. Um, so ask the model, and it won't answer because it doesn't even have its own email address. Louisville is 21. So Louisville's, Louisville's continuing to rise. They've risen three weeks in a row, I believe. Uh, I did, they didn't rise a ton because we got what we thought we'd get out of Louisville. Like the model thought Louisville would beat Notre Dame. So Louisville did what the model already expected it to do. Therefore, because it was expected, there was nothing baked into the model's power rating this week that wasn't already there. Let's go top 20. Uh, we got LSU is still at 20. You notice something. You notice this time last week, there were a ton of folks all over me because I had a two-loss LSU team in the top, top 20 and didn't have undefeated Missouri rated at all. And none of those people showed up this week. Did something happen between those two in Missouri's own building? This, something, I don't know. Something must happen. Anyway, so LSU is still 20. You are not what your record says you are in this sport is what I'm trying to say. That's why we do power ratings and not rankings. LSU is 20. Uh, Clemson, Clemson struggled against Wake last week. And we expected Wake to hang with them. Wake was a 21-point dog. Clemson only scored 17, I think. So that was tough. So Clemson dropped a little bit to 19. UCLA's at 18. Still love them. Southern Cal, we are not as high on them as Vegas. We are not as high on them as the AP. We got them at 17. Ole Miss is at 16. We roll on. Top 15. Uh, Notre Dame is virtually unchanged because Notre Dame did what we thought they would do last week. They lost, and it was situational. We would favor, as you can see, we got Notre Dame still ahead of Louisville. We would favor them against Louisville if they played again today. It was just a situation thing last week. That's not to take anything away from Louisville. Good team. But if you don't get it at this point, I, I don't really know that I can explain it to you. Oregon State's at 14. A&M is at 13. A&M largely gave us what we thought we would get last week. Uh, we're not going to drop them a huge amount for being within one possession of Alabama. Just kind of what we thought we'd get. I mean, I, I leaned AM to win the game. It wasn't really a strong convicted pick or anything like that. So AM's at 13. Once again, um, you watched AM lose a game. Your gut reaction is they should fall a whole lot. And if I were an AP voter, I would drop them. Merit does not matter in power ratings. It does not matter. And if you if you're if you're bent sideways about that. I, I don't really know what to tell you. I'm not advocating for this to be how the playoff committee should, should operate, in other words. Like, if I were a playoff committee member, I wouldn't have A&M 13. This is not what this is at all. Tennessee's 12. Look at North Carolina. 
North Carolina bordering on top 10 contention here. They're at number 11 right now. They play Miami this week. At least we view that as a top 25 matchup. Uh, top 10 time. This will be interesting. Florida State's still at 10. I, I need to tell you something because I, I keep getting a lot of comments that FSU is too low. Jesse, do you know where FSU is in the AP by any chance? Still undefeated. They're four. Okay, they're top five. So it's pretty common right now in the, the advanced metrics community, the analytics community. I don't claim to be a part of that, by the way. The model does. I don't. They got FSU lower than we do. FSU is just not a team that profiles well right now. That doesn't matter. You just win your games. That's all that matters. But FSU's at 10 for us. Penn State's at 9. Oklahoma is at 8. I'll explain it in a second. Washington at 7. Ohio State fell a little bit. They fell to number 6. So that gets us to the top 5. And uh, I know what the number 1 style of comment will be this week. So 5-1 to one is Bama, Oregon, Texas, Michigan, Georgia. The number one comment by a mile will be, you claim this is about neutral field favorability, which I do. We just saw Texas and Oklahoma play on a neutral field. We did. Oklahoma won. They did. Why is Texas still ahead of Oklahoma? It's very simple. If they played the game again tomorrow, Texas would be favored. That's it. That's all. Oklahoma deserved to win the game. For all you know, I'd pick Oklahoma if they played again. Oklahoma wouldn't be favored against Texas if they played again. And that is literally all we're trying to do here. Nothing more, nothing less. Lost in all that is Georgia just rocketed right back up to number one. They body bagged Kentucky and they are number one again. And Michigan is as high as we've had them all year. So the model has been slow to come around on Michigan. Uh, Michigan is now ahead of Ohio State. See that? That was not like that. And maybe it won't stay like that, but it is like that right now. Uh, Bama's back in the top five. Uh, the, the one other thing that I'm, just, I'm interested in is USC being all the way down at 17. Because if that's the case, like if that's accurate, the model would expect USC to have several losses coming up. And if that's the case, Alex Grinch won't be there next year. And if that's the case, Lincoln Riley is going to have a lot of heat on him to make uh, pretty significant changes to his program. I welcome your feedback. Please understand you're not talking about rankings. You're talking about power ratings. Let's do uh, one, two, three additions to the Ramen Noodle Express, and we'll get out of here. We are already on Charlotte, plus four and a half. We're on Duke, minus three. Notre Dame, minus two is a best bet. We don't just think they're going to beat Southern Cal. We're really confident in it. Uh, Wake Forest minus one. Those are the games we're on so far. Now I've got a Friday night special to add on to that. We're taking Fresno State minus six. We are also not on Friday, just good old Saturday game here. We're going to take UAB plus 10. And I've got a total for you. We're going Texas A&M, Tennessee under 56. I think that's, I, I just think the total's too high. So A&M, Tennessee, under 56. We're taking UAB, Fresno State to go along with Wake, Notre Dame, Duke, and Charlotte. Remember, we'll be back here Thursday night. We're doing the reprediction special. So it's, it's going to be a show, like it's going to be a normal show, but I am just taking some of the things that we predicted in the summer and some of my official picks, and I possess the ability 
to just change them at any given point. That is my constitutional right. I forget what amendment it is, but it's somewhere in there where you can just change your predictions anytime you want to. I think it's the first one, actually. I can change anything at any time, and um, I am protected. That is protected speech. So I may very well just bail totally on multiple predictions this Thursday night, make new ones, and expect the world to accept the new predictions and forget about the old ones. As I have told you before, and as I will tell you once more, I don't ask for much. I just ask for all the credit with none of the blame. For producer Jesse, director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. We'll see you Thursday night. Until then, God bless. series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.